This episode of Standard Orbit is brought to you by Audible.com, offering more than 150,000 titles for your tablet, smartphone, and desktop. Support the show and get a free audiobook of your choice by visiting audibletrial.com slash trekfm. Hey everyone, I'm Rod Roddenberry, and you're listening to Trek FM. Follow Standard Orbit, Mr. Chekhov, and take us in. Hi, sir. Is the word of Landru. Joy to you, friends, and thanks for joining us here in Standard Orbit, Trek FM's dedicated show to the original series. My name is Drew, or Landru, and this is my co-host Mike from Commentary Trek Stars. Hey, how's it going? It's good. It's been a really good week. Yeah, you went to Gen Con, right? I, well, last week I got a new laptop, mm. and then, uh, so hopefully this works. And, uh, don't worry, I'm recording two- the backup just in case. Okay, good. On Tuesday, I got a tweet from Sideshow Toys. Oh, those are the guys who make like the 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 six scale most everything. Yeah, and the life size models and stuff. Did you win that Millennium Falcon? No, I did not win the eighteen foot long Millennium Falcon. Okay, well, they had a contest on Monday. It was you know send us what you know which figure you want for less than two fifty, and if we pick your tweet, you win it. Did so you get the I, Michael Jordan with the with the actual accurate like Air Jordans? What? There are so many options. Okay, all right. I All panicked. Right. Okay. okay, I panicked and I picked the the first thing that jumped to mind, which was a, an Age of Ultron Captain America. Mm, He's bad. got a metal shield and like has magnets on his back, so you can just twang it to his back or on his arms. Awesome. He's got hands that have magnets in them, so he can be in the midst of throwing or catching. Oh wow. It's it's going to be cool. Matt Rushing will be so jealous. I know. And John Mills and them will be so happy because uh, there's a head that just doesn't have a helmet on so oh. that you can tell who it is. Cool. Cool. <laughs> yeah. Well, that sounds pretty sweet. Yeah. I didn't win anything and, like that. And then we went to Gen Con on Friday, and it was amazing. Was it? Yeah. yeah I got to see Summer Glau. I mean, see her from a distance. I wasn't, you know, in line to see her. I got to see Summer Glau. I got to see Will Wheaton went to his panel on his RPG show that he's doing. And then I bought that m- new Mayfair Star Trek five-year mission game. Oh, how's that? I haven't played it yet, but uh, when you buy it at the... It's it's a game from two to seven players, but they gave you an exclusive eighth player if you bought it at Gen Con. And the cards are you can play as TOS or Next Generation, so it's a two-in-one game. Okay. And... uh but the eighth character is uh it's Yeoman Rand on one side and Wesley Crusher on the other. Hmm. Hmm. That's pretty sweet. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah. But Will wasn't signing anything anywhere. I would have had him sign the Wesley Crusher side. Mm. Oh well. That's okay. Did you see those pictures of uh um cards like vintage Star Wars cards which were signed by Mark Hamill? Yeah, the ones where he's just like, what does he say? Like, just like, stupid uh, jokes. This Darth Vader guy is a jerk. Hope he doesn't have any kids. <laughs> Things like that. You have to get bored doing that stuff for 40 years. I imagine that eventually you would get to the point where you'd be like, give me something weird to sign. Or like there was one where it was like, uh, you know, Luke returns home to find his family has been killed, you know. 
And the caption says something like, well, I guess now I can go to Tashi Station. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes. Oh, celebrities. Yeah. But I didn't I didn't score any exclusive in interviews or anything like that, so Well, I guess, you know, it's mostly game people, right? Yeah. Well Marina Certis was there. Not that that would have been helpful for our show. Well but... yeah. But, but she was there on Saturday, so I didn't get to see her at all. Yeah, Gen Con is a con that I have trouble wrapping my head around because it's a it's a side of of uh geek culture which I'm not really in touch with. And I'm kind of always thinking, like, what is it that they talk about? Cause, <laughs> I mean, I don't, I don't know, you know? Like, I, I saw a picture that I think either you or your wife sent out, and they're like, here's the line of people waiting for Titan's Grave or something. That's the Will Wheaton show. We were all waiting to oh. see Will Wheaton. Okay, all right. I was like, is this a board game? Like, are there really... Are there that many no. people in the world who actually play board games? <laughs> I, There's I, like 60,000 people in Indianapolis today. Okay. All right. All right. I mean, I knew the con was big, but I thought yeah. it was one of those things like San Diego Comic-Con where, you know, 98% Where of it's people... not about comics? Right. Exactly. You know? No, like 98% of this is actually about the games. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. But Titan's Grave is a really cool role-playing game thing where he's where Will Wheaton's the game master and he you know tells a cool story with some voice actors and friends of his uh, it it's really well put together and walks you through the rules and stuff so cool cool yeah so i got to, i was pretty close to him i was like a good 5 feet away from him almost talked to ann but i didn't oh ann wheaton yeah his wife yeah um, my um, wife was like oh my god ann wheaton no do you what are you going to say to her <laughs> uh and i'm like exactly leave her alone <laughs> yeah that's usually how it works isn't it yeah. All right. So Star Trek, the original series. Yeah. The original That's what we series. talk about. Sort of. <laughs> occasionally. Maybe. That's what I've heard. Yeah. So we have an idea for, for this week. This yes. Week, which you, you, as, you as presented talking, an idea to me and yeah. I'm interested in it. And as we're talking now, like more ideas are coming to mind and that now I'm while I'm doing this, I'm also like furiously like scanning through IMDb to try to come up with other things because I've just thought of other uh I don't even know but it's going to be kind of a work in progress I think as we go along No 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 we'll, we're going to pitch it I I love it when we do this stuff live Okay so this is the this is the thing and this has been sort of a running thing throughout our show I think which is you know the idea that when there's a new Star Trek show you know what's it going to be and um, I mean, I, I know what I want it to be. I'm, I'm, I, I think you're on the same page. Perhaps not. I don't know. It's, it's one of the, it's the best option I've heard so far. Okay. All right. My, my, you know, thing which I've been. I mean, I know lots of people have been pushing this. I mean, you can go back and take a look at at the record. I have been pushing this since I saw mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Into Darkness. And I saw Into Darkness like a week before it came out in the U.S. So I've been pushing it for a long freaking time. And the idea, of course, is to do... An Captain ex- Worf. Yeah, oh, Captain... wait, no, that's not it. <laughs> oh, you're going to hell. Um, no, the idea is to do a, an Excelsior show. Oh, with Stan Lee. Uh, 
I mean, hey, if you want to put Stan Lee in there, I mean, we'll we'll work that out. Stan Lee as Dr. Boyce or something. Ooh. Okay. Ooh, I like that. But no, the idea is with, with John Cho as Sulu, of course. Oh, yes, yes, yes. But now the question comes. Okay, now that we've established that that's the best idea out there, right, in the world. Um, the question is, what's the rest of the cast? Who else is it? Who, who are the supporting players? Because in, you know, Star Trek Six, well, I mean, for one thing, it's a little sketchy because that's supposed to take place, you know, like, let's say 30 years after after this, you know, which you can fudge a bit because that's what they do is they fudge it. And, you know, I'm, I'm okay fudging it a bit. Uh, maybe you're not. I don't know. I'm conflicted <laughs> on that. But, you know, what does he have? He's got, um, you know, a couple crew members. I think there's a Russian guy. There's Christian Slater mm-hmm. and some others, you know, and it's like, well, there isn't an established crew. I'm I'm sure someone there's, is going to write There's it a in. couple people. I looked it up. And there's a there's a couple people cuz they they expanded on it a bit in Voyager. I'm sure in the books there's an entire crew. There is. There's yeah. a lot of people in that crew in the books. Um, I I don't doubt it at all. But we figured well what we would do is we would come up with basically a crew and a cast for this uh hypothetical show. Yeah, so that's what we're going to do, right? We we yeah. just came came up with like four or five people and we'll try to fill it out. We'll we'll work it out in in the room and try to figure out who who would be good for this this uh this show. Both crew-wise and cast-wise. Yes. Yeah. So, I guess let's start with Captain Sulu, right? Yeah. Uh, I think John Cho should play him. I think that you're onto <laughs> something here. I think that would be a good choice. I like that. I like that idea. Um, so, okay, John Cho. I mean, you figure, okay, this would be like, let's say, a year after the next movie, Beyond, right? So we're talking in the timeline, like a little bit before the original series still, or maybe just right around the time of the original series. Mm-hmm. So, but whatever. He's captain. Okay. So we got Captain Sulu. Now, what do you have as your next crew member? Well, any of them are going to spoil my idea. So so I might as well just, just lay all my cards on the table here. Go for uh, it. I, I tried to choose people, not only based on appearance, but, but the kind of attitudes that I wanted. And I only watch comedy shows. So my cast is full of comedians. Well, I mean, they say that, you know, comedy is the hard part. If you can do comedy, then drama is just fine. Right. And, and and that's my thought, too. I mean, so, like if you look at the, the Martian, you know, the new Ridley Scott mm-hmm. movie, it's like Kristen Wiig is in that thing. And it's like, well, what's she doing there? Well, why not? You know, Ridley Scott's yeah. like, what? She's good. Haven't you seen uh, Bridesmaids? I, I I also wanted something a bit, not that the this other star trek isn't lighthearted but uh i i feel that that like some goofy kind of episodes uh because we only get the world ending kind of stuff it'd be cool to just have some shipboard kind of things so uh, here here we go um in in voyager they established that rand is on the excelsior yes and uh so i picked my current favorite actress amy schumer as rand um, 
Rand was kind of flighty and kind of the 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 stereotypical white girl that that Amy Schumer portrays a lot of the time, uh, but but still has that strength uh, about her that I feel. Uh, I've got a lot of uh, women. Well, I've got a couple women on this. I feel like it's about time. It's you know. So you're saying maybe a year after, so this would be like 2017, the show. It's about time that we we came into the future and had more than, you know, here's three white guys. They're the three white guys, and they're the ones in charge. So we're going to have the the Asian captain and and women. You know, let's put these women in high positions, and not that there will be a love triangle or anything like that. Uh, I don't... I don't want to portray Sulu as homosexual just because George Takei is homosexual, but uh, I feel like maybe he's beyond that. He doesn't need a relationship. He's got he's got a ship. He's got his crew, and that's that's what makes him happy. And, and I feel like that might get rid of a lot of the you know people trying to seduce each other. Or uh, like Andy was saying last week, that you know Uhura's just there to make Spock look better. Yeah, I mean, I, I can see that. Like to me, I um, I well, looking at this, I, I have uh, uh, certainly an abundance of of women as well, and I think uh, part of that is just because of the characters which have been utilized or not utilized. It just seemed to make sense to me mm-hmm. because I, I didn't. I don't know about you. Did you create any new characters? Or I, not? I did not create any new characters. No, I didn't create any new characters either, and. Uh, you know, I mean, we'll we'll see how this plays out. But and and now, I mean, I just thought of another character and everything, but it, which <laughs> doesn't really maybe work as well. But whatever. So uh, I, I I will say that I of course have Rand on here as well. It it has to be. I mean, she. If there's one other person who's a lock, it's got to be Rand. Yeah. You know, the Sulu Rand show at least. And you know, I uh, since. Well, what she was yeoman in the original series, and then in this thing they made her communications officer. You know, I mean, to me, you just you know make her first officer because there yeah. isn't. Uh, you know, that's what I would do. And uh, the person that that I thought of, I thought of this back in the day because I I was um, initially kind of thinking about it in terms of it being. You know, when when I thought like, well, what if this is like an actual show, you know, and, and, and the way that, you know, things work with like people, you know, working together multiple times or whatever. And I was thinking about people who had worked with Bad Ro- Robot before and that sort of thing. Carrie and I was Russell. Like, no, although, you know, I'd be totally OK with that, too. Um, that's actually a, a, a decent choice. <laughs> um, but the person who I thought of was Anna Torv. The star of Fringe. Oh, as yeah. Rand, huh? Yeah, yeah. I thought I thought that would be kind of cool. Okay. Yeah. So that that's that's my that's my pick for that. So now we're getting into some gray area, I guess, in terms of who would be on this crew and and everything. Um. So who who do you who do you have for your next person? Well, for my next person, uh, I thought that they could use uh, some Vulcan. And we've already established that Tuvok eventually is on the Excelsior, but it's, you know, uh, I know that, you know, the, it's, 
2290 or so when Tuvok takes place. You know, Tuvok probably isn't even born yet in the JJ. I don't care. He's a youngster, but yeah, you know, you got to fudge it. If they can fudge Chekhov, then they can fudge anything. You know, I mean, I'm torn because part of me is like, this doesn't make any sense, you know? <laughs> but another, another part of me is like, okay, well, you know, when you actually have to do it yourself, uh, I mean, do you want to make the best show or do you want to make it the, the the best continuity and i mean yeah do you want it to be look at all the potential you know eventually like that gotham show eventually if yeah. we hold out long enough all these characters will become cool no just give us the cool characters now which is what they did which i don't know i have issues i stopped I watching after a few show. episodes so it's a crazy show um yeah. <laughs> it's crazy but okay so i'm okay with with there being a, a Tuvok on this thing, especially for our purposes right now. You know, I mean, you know, obviously, if we were to actually create the show, we'd probably create some new characters and stuff. But it doesn't make any sense given the format that we're working with right now. So, who do you have for? Uh... So I chose Anthony Mackey, who played Falcon in who plays Falcon in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Uh, I think that because I've I've chosen a lineup of comedians, uh, I I thought that he had the right uh, uh, comedy, the comedy chops. But really, looking at his his IMDb, because I was just like, well, what else has he been in? He's like a legitimate dramatic actor. Like yeah, he, he was, was in, in Eight Mile, and he played. Uh, he he was in Half Nelson, which is the most serious movie ever made. You know, see that that's crazy. So that's that's good. That shows that he can play serious while having a, a lighter side. And uh, I, I don't know. I, I I like him in the Marvel universe, and uh, I thought that he could add some of that to uh, to our Excelsior show. Well, I also had Tuvok um, for your make him security, right? Yeah. Uh, and I, I was, I don't know. I mean, I guess I kind of took a cue from, from Voyager on this one, and and you know, it's still fudging it a bit. But I was like, and it doesn't really line up in terms of the timeline at all. But I thought it's still not a, a bad idea. Why not just have Tim Russ play him? I was gonna say, are you gonna choose Tim Russ? <laughs> Because, I mean, then you, you at least do get some some uh, variation in terms of the age of the cast and stuff like that. And I, uh, I liked, I mean, a lot of people, for some reason, uh, don't like Tim Russ's Vulcan portrayal, but I thought that he did fantastic all seven years. Yeah, I think I think he's fine. You know, I mean, it it's it's uh, tough. It's I mean, I, I imagine playing a Vulcan is one of the toughest things to play in, on Star Trek. And. I, I think no one would uh, question the fact that Tim Russ had a, a very strong handle on what Vulcans were and, and, and everything. And uh, you could disagree with his portrayal, but it's not like it's not well thought out, you know. And he obviously wants to keep playing the role. Yeah. Because so. he's directing himself in all kinds of fan productions. Mm -hmm. Renegades had its premiere last night, so. Oh, yeah. Cool. Where, where that was in like in L.A. or something, right? I think so. Yeah, yeah. I saw a picture of the marquee somewhere. So you suggested, and uh, you were just like, "Oh, you know, we could bring it over other people from that we haven't really seen on the other ships or something." 
uh, and I think we need a, a Dr. Chapel. Uh, yeah, I thought the same thing. So uh, my Dr. Chapel, I was I, I pulled up pictures of Nurse Chapel, and I'm like, I, I feel that Chapel's really kind of a, a dry humor. Because I've, I'm picking comedians. So uh, I think Chapel's more of a, a kind of a dry humor. And uh, the only name that came to mind was Aubrey Plaza from Parks and Recreation. Yeah. A, a little lighter on the sarcasm because she does tend playing the same character, the exact same character in everything she's in. Or at least everything I've seen. I've not seen like Life After Beth or anything like that. But uh, I, I feel like she could... Uh, have that that dry humor that you would need not necessarily you know the heavy sarcasm that you got from dr mccoy but uh a, a dr mccoy like character but again another female uh to to bring uh more of that into the crew yeah uh i mean i i agree i also had dr chapel it just kind of makes sense um especially since we haven't seen that character yet um and as far as casting is concerned that's tricky um because her character is is weird um i don't i don't know you know i mean like hmm i i it's 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 almost like she's it like you think of like someone who's i don't know i mean just because like they don't give her much to do and usually Mm -hmm. what she's doing is sort of like pining over spock right and that has sort of like a, I mean, because, I mean, what, we see her in Star Trek, the motion picture, and she sprays the stuff on on Chekhov's hand. And uh, then we see her talking to someone over a communicator thing in Star Trek Four, right? Mm-hmm. It's, pre- it's pretty much it in the movies. Yeah, she's got some know. weird random jobs in the movies. Mm-hmm. So did you so settle on know. anybody? No, I mean, the person who kind of comes to mind off the top of my head is Rachel McAdams. Okay. I mean, essentially, you're reinventing the character from scratch, in a sense. So, I don't know. Hmm. I don't know. I mean, what do you, what do you think? Well, I mean, the, the question with, like, Rachel McAdams is that, uh, is this going to be, like, a, a weekly UPN TV series or one of those, like, Netflix miniseries things where we get uh, 10 awesome episodes? Or is this going to be, like, a 22-episode? Well, yeah, I mean, I can see that she wouldn't necessarily do it. But, I mean, I you know, if it is, like, a 10 or, let's say it's a 13-episode thing and she comes in and does it, I mean... I mean, she was just on, you know, True Detective. Right. So, you know, I, I think she's open to the idea. That's what I'm saying. I just can't imagine Rachel McAdams on UPN, you know. Yeah. And after a brand new episode of Revenge is Rachel McAdams in Star Trek. Yeah. Yeah. No, I can see that, too. You know, that being an issue. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, what about what about like Evangeline Lilly? Or no, 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 wait, you know what? Who's uh that that the Maggie Grace from Taken and, and Lost? Hmm. That would work. I mean, she's not my favorite actress. I mean, mostly because her character was so annoying on Lost. I have a problem with judging actors by being really annoying on Lost. Gotcha. Yeah. See also Evangeline Lily. 
Okay. All but right. she's grown on me. She's grown on me. She was great as Tariel and uh and in Ant Man. Uh, yeah. she she wasn't bad at all. Yeah. And she was also great in Freddy versus Jason. As Dang a it, I need to see that. Slightly out of focus extra. What? Yeah. yeah, right before Lost, she was in Freddy versus Jason, and you can see her in the background uh as a Maggie slight... Grace or Evangeline Lilly? Evangeline Lilly. What? Yeah. But yes, you do need to see Freddy vs. Jason because it's awesome. I need to watch fr- some Freddy's first. Nah, nah, nah. Oh. Watch, watch number. You six. think I could follow it? Yeah, watch number six, and watch number ten, Jason X. Uh, those were no, the, the Jasons. I'm, I'm, I'm familiar oh, with. Oh, Freddy's. It's Freddy's. 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 Uh, yeah. Watch. Uh, what is it? Number five. That's it. Oh, okay. Just number know. five, and then then I can verse it up. Yeah, it's those movies are terrible. Anyway, <laughs> okay. So 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 far we're all on the same page with all characters. Of the characters. Uh, so who who else do you have? Well, I have. Uh, there was only one other named character besides like Styles, the the old captain guy, and uh, that's Valtain. And so I was like, what's he look like again? So I looked him up and I was like, oh, it's Louis C.K. Oh, well, there we go. Louis C.K. was in it? No, it's it's oh, a he looks like it's Louis a C. it's a redhead guy with a with a goatee. Okay. It looks enough like Louis C.K. that uh I, I think that he would be a good Yeah. Maybe not uh every episode, like he wouldn't be part of the main group, kind of like uh Barkley. Yeah. Uh, you know, just in the background sometimes, or like a stand-in person, and then occasionally they'll go on an away mission with the with Valtaine, and nobody really wants to take him because he's, you know, complainy. Well, what's his job? What does he do? I forget what Valtaine does. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's cool. That's cool. Yeah, because he shows up in in the Voyager episode too, doesn't he? Yes. Yeah. There's a couple. He guys shows that up do. and then he dies. Ah. And then, but the problem is that at the end of Star Trek VI, that actor's in in Star Trek VI as Valtaine, and he's there at the end when they're just like, you know, you did good, Captain Kirk. Oh. And they're all standing on the bridge. Oh. Oh, well. But they killed him off in Voyager? I don't know. Well, what can you do? Well, that's that's cool. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't have that character, um, unfortunately. I mean, yeah, I guess I probably should have watched the Voyager episode before doing this, but I thought to myself, like, well, I don't, none of those characters made an impact, so, I don't know. Yeah. Not that important. Okay, well, I've got two more, actually. Um, The first one, which to me, I I thought seemed like kind of a logical choice for science officer, would be a character which seems to potentially not be utilized much in um star trek beyond we shall see and that's uh dr marcus oh thought it'd be cool to bring her in you know as alice eve you know playing her of course and uh yeah i just thought that that would be a good way to not waste that character yeah that that's a good idea yeah and i do have one more character which i just kind of thought of and that was uh savik <gasps> make, make i love it 
as the helmsman, right? I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. Yeah. Part of me was thinking Valeris because you could have Valeris as like a young, you know, helmsman or whatever. And then there'd be that thing in the back of your head the whole time where it's like, (laughs) is she going to turn? You know, is she going to be is she going to be a bad guy at some point? Hmm. I like that. But maybe Savick makes more sense. I don't know. Uh, as far as the casting of Savick, I mean, someone who came to mind, although I think that she'd be too old because Robin I mean, Curtis. <laughs> yeah, no, uh, Kirstie Alley, but no, no, um, Jordana Brewster, uh, that she, she seems like she would be a good Vulcan, but who was that? She, she was in, um, well, she's in the Fast and Furious movies. Okay. She, she plays, uh, Vin Diesel's brother who's also uh, Paul Walker's girlfriend. Okay. Uh, but she's... Vin she's... Diesel's brother is Paul Walker? God, I need to watch those movies. No, 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 no. Vi- she, she, sorry, she's Vin Diesel's sister. Oh, and okay, Paul that Walker's one. girlfriend. That makes so more like, sense. Yeah, so like Paul Walker comes in as like an undercover cop to like take down Vin Diesel. Right. And in the process, he falls in love with his sister. I remember the first one. Oh, okay. Apparently. Yeah. Um, but she's yeah, but she's a bit older. Like I I don't think you know, and here would be a way to sort of start differentiating in terms of ages for the crew and getting some someone younger, I think, someone in like their early twenties would make sense where she's just, you know, fresh out mm-hmm. of the academy, you know. We we need to remember that like John Cho's not that old. We need to pick people younger than him. Right, right. I mean, yeah, he's he's older than he he seems though. He he's the guy who invented um the term MILF in American Pie, or he plays the character who did. Oh, jeez. He's the MILF guy in American Pie. So he is real old. Thanks, because you know that movie came out uh, <laughs> a year after I graduated, and um, it's about high school. So thanks. <laughs> But he is older than me, so it's okay. Oh, so, okay, yeah, good. I mean, who who to play him? I don't or play Savic. I don't know. I mean, do you have any ideas? I mean, like someone who came to mind, kind of thinking along your lines, was Allison Brie, but she's a bit older too. You mm-hmm. know, I don't know. Um, hmm, hmm. Thinking about this, I don't know young actors that much. Yeah, and I only know comedians. Well, there aren't Melissa any... McCarthy. There we go. There aren't any comedies <laughs> about like like any like college comedies or anything. I don't watch those comedies. Uh, no, which comedies do you watch? I, Amy Schumer and Louis C.K. <laughs> okay, all right, all right. <sighs> I don't know. I don't know. Uh, it's, I'm gonna have to think about that some more. Hmm. If you have suggestions, leave us feedback. Who should yeah. play Savick in Excelsior? I mean, the the trick there is that you get uh, two Vulcans on the crew. But right. That, that might be an interesting dynamic in and of itself. Well, Savick always, you know, especially Christy Alley Savick, was more I- emotional, it yeah. seems. So it could be that, like, she's a, an emotional Vulcan. So it's like we took Spock and we split him into two characters. We have an emotional Vulcan and a stoic Vulcan. 
but maybe that could be like a subplot is, you know, Tuvok taking Savak under his wing because the new Spock is too busy to to train Savak like he does. Oh, no, because he trains Valeris. It would have been easier if Valeris was Savak. Well, but you could do that. I mean, because there's going to be all sorts of stuff going on in terms of the fact that Vulcan is gone, right? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So that's going to be a huge thing, too. And they all join, all the survivors join Starfleet? <laughs> I guess so. I don't know. I don't know. It's tricky. But who do you get to play? Oh, what about, what about, uh, what about Daisy Ridley? From? From Star Wars. Oh, yeah, well, there we go. I don't know. There we go. Bad. We've got the bad robot connection. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Just <laughs> kind of got the look, you know? Yeah, yeah. Kind of got that Kirstie Alley look. I could see it. I could see her with ears. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I mean, I've never seen her act in anything, but aside <laughs> from the trailer for Force Awakens. She's great in that trailer. Yeah, she's really good. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Oh, what about um uh the the girl from Game of Thrones who's going to be in like Doctor Who now? It, oh, what's she's her name? like eighteen. Yeah, well, that's perfect age, right? I mean, she's coming right out of the academy, right? Maisie Williams is that her name? That's it. I haven't seen her in anything. The only thing that I've seen her in was one of those videos where they like show kids like old technologies and <laughs> like and they like handed her and everyone else um an original NES and they're like here do you know how to make it work do you know how to get the game going and then yeah so that was that's but yeah she was good in that yeah okay no, she's good in Game of Thrones. Uh, okay. I like her character and, and her. So, yeah, sure. Yeah. All right. Well, that's, I mean, I don't know. It seems like a pretty interesting crew. I mean, Sulu, obviously, Rand as first officer. We're in agreement about Chapel as uh, mm -hmm. the doctor. Tuvok as security. Um, And then we got a few oddballs in there. Like, uh, what's the guy's name? Your guy? Val Valtane. Valtane. Valtaine and uh, Marcus and, and Savick. The only other person who I, I came up with who I thought might be cool would be number one. But to me, you make Rand the first officer. It's got to be Rand as the first officer. I like so, that. And yeah. it's, no, I guess it would be if Chapel was the first officer. It would be like having number one as the first officer. Well, yeah, I kind of thought about that. I'm like, it would be cool if you had both Chapel and number one on the show. And they were like and, played by the same person. And the computer person. sounds like them too. Yeah, and like they were played by the same person. She just like switches like you know wigs or whatever. <laughs> no one cool. would notice. No one would notice. I, I did have another actor, but I, I couldn't think of a role for him. Michael Dorn wants to be in Star Trek real bad. <laughs> just give him. Just let him do something. He can be the admiral that gives him orders or something. Sure. Why not? Why not? Just take off the forehead. It's all good. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, it was fun talking about Excelsior today, but that's just one of the Trek topics we've been talking about on Trek FM this week. Here's a quick look at what you may have missed elsewhere around the network. Previously on Trek.fm, Standard Orbit. 
so now we're going to have to spend like a half an hour talking about these Star Trek comics when I could be reading Star Wars comics. Yes. I hope the listeners appreciate the <laughs> sacrifices that we're making to bring this moderately entertaining podcast to them. Earl Grey. We divide the ship into one of two ways. Port goes to port. <laughs> I better not see any starboard guys on the starboard phaser target practice. You guys know which side of the ship you're on. The orb. Also, the original title of this episode was A Matter of Breeding, which when we talk about things feeling TNG-ish, that could have been a Riker episode. <laughs> <laughs> the Ready Room. It's about people and feelings and emotions. It's about philosophy. It's about the future. It's about hope. It's about glory. It's about intellectual promise. That's what Axnar is about. It is not a story about pew, pew, pew. I promise you that. To the journey! Well, you telling me that I need to make love to this alien woman or she's going to die? Well, <laughs> for king and country, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> right, only on Star Trek. Warp 5. I remember watching Broken Bow when Enterprise first debuted when I was in high school. I remember revisiting it now in full, and I had forgotten the fact that Future Guy had actually played an integral role from the get-go with Silic and the Sulaban, which we'll talk about later in the show. Commentary, Trek stars. But you would never pick up on that based on the way that it plays out, aside from the fact that they explicitly tell you in the dialogue, <laughs> you know? The 602 Club. The prequels are the most autobiographical uh, works that Lucas has done. Because if you follow Anakin's arc, he comes onto the scene, nobody's seeing him coming, and then he's a wonderkind, but he doesn't know what to do with it, and he's overwhelmed and feels a bit trapped. Literary Treks. Deep Space Nine, among all the Star Trek series, is the one that really over time, and I'm talking about now on the television series, not just in the books, changed the most. Axanar, the official podcast. It is the spirit of TOS that matters that's being captured, but it doesn't necessarily have to be the aesthetic. The aesthetic was 1966 to 1969 that had its moment, it had its time, and there's a certain amount of charm still to that. But it doesn't allow you to push the narrative forward because that type of aesthetic holds creativity back, in my opinion. Women at Warp. My absolute favorite thing about this episode is that this is a love potion only if it's between a man and a woman. They make it explicitly clear that if you touch two men or two women, they just become really good friends. And that's what else is happening on Trek.fm. So check out these shows and get in on the daily Trek talk. You find them on iTunes, Stitcher, Spreaker, SoundCloud, or you can just stream from the website. Just visit Trek.fm slash podcast to get all the links. Mike, you had some feedback that you wanted to address. Yes, I did. Uh, we got a, a, a message on our Facebook page from Mark. Uh, and he says, Mike wants to know what makes a good Star Trek film. For starters, our characters acting like our characters. Spock not being an overly emotional, irritating, whiny smartass. McCoy not being a metaphor machine. Kirk not being a hormone-driven, over-the-top, cocky, the rules don't apply to me jock. Second, some basis in science, science fiction. Cold fusion, magic blood, the Enterprise underwater for no reason. Mike, the problem is that J.J. doesn't like Star Trek. He likes Star Wars. 
and tried to make Star Trek into a Star Wars-type movie. Now, the original crew had some bad Trek movies, too, but again, my reasons hold. Trek 5 Scotty doesn't know his way around the Enterprise, etc. I've got more reasons, but let's start with this. Please tell us why Trek 09 was good Trek. Well, thanks for the feedback, Mark. Um, I mean, when I said that, you know, and, and I've said it a lot, you know, because I hear it a lot. You know, the the question is always, what I hear all the time is, it's a good movie, but it's not a good Star Trek movie. And to me, like, I mean, my whole point in saying, like, what's a good Star Trek movie? It's like, why are you wanting this thing to fit in this box? You know, I mean, Star Trek is Star Trek, and I guess that name comes with a certain set of expectations. But to me, I mean, I'm rather excited when something breaks out of those expectations and becomes, you know, and and to me, it's like if you're breaking the rules of your franchise and you're getting results, then who cares? You know, go ahead and break the rules. You know, I mean, Star Trek's sister franchise, for all intents and purposes, is Mission Impossible. We just had a new Mission Impossible movie come out this weekend. And uh, one of the amazing things about that franchise is that each movie is different from the last and each one is different from the original series and each one can be its own thing and be good and i don't see a problem with that so yeah i mean if if all of these characters are acting differently than they did in the original series I mean, ultimately, I guess my, my response is, who cares? You know, I mean, you look at the original series, and they all act differently in that. I mean, you know, all of those things that, that Mark mentioned are there in various episodes uh, to to a much greater extent than in Star Trek 09. It's just that, you know, we don't pay attention to those things. But I mean, I mean you want to talk about the science? I mean, come on. You know, McCoy... I mean, whatever, you know, you, you, you're you used to getting a metaphor on a weekly basis, but, you know, you're going to cram a few in, into into a movie because, you know, that's that's what it is. I mean, I totally understand Spock being overly emotional because they changed the external stuff to his character. And, you know, the whole, like, Kirk not being a hormone-driven, over-the-top, cocky rules don't apply to me, Jack. He is that. I know that we, we had this argument or I had this argument with John Tenuto. It's like, I totally disagree with that. Like, he's like, oh, well, they were presenting him as like a Lothario and he, he was never that. Like a week later, I watched Wolf in the Fold where he's <laughs> like, hey, Scotty, you want me to get that uh, that hooker for you? Because I can totally get that hooker for you if you want Scotty. I mean, it's totally there, you know, maybe not all the time, but I mean, it, it, and all of this is sort of related to the concept of the original series, the idea of it being an anthology show with standing sets. And if you're going to do that, then you're going to change the characters from week to week based on what your story requires. It's just, it's something that happens. And there, you, you've got to process all of that variation and turn it into something which makes sense in two hours, in 2009. And that's what Star Trek 09 is. And I don't care if they change things. I am more than willing to burn the entire chronology and, uh, you know, if, if it means getting a good movie, you know, it's fine with me. 
you know yeah and and these new movies aren't burning the old chronology let's not go there we've still got all of those original episodes even if it doesn't matter what's canon and what isn't if you enjoy an episode or a movie of something go right ahead yeah if you enjoy a fan series you know but if we put that fan series on the big screen it's not gonna make 300 million dollars yeah I mean, I, I don't know the, the the whole the whole reason why I always bring up that sort of rhetorical question, like what makes a good makes something good Star Trek, is because I don't understand the question. I really don't. And I mean, like I I I totally understand what Mark is saying. You know, I've I've heard all of the arguments, and and I'm not going to say that they're wrong. You know, it's a point of view. But to me, the important thing is that. I mean, if if you're saying it's a good movie or if you're saying it added something to your life, but you're going to, like, put a little ding on it because it's not the same as before, I mean, that doesn't make a lot of sense to me. I, I don't... I'm I'm hoping that it's not the same as before. I'm hoping that we get, like, a Ron Moore BSG-style Star Trek, you know, sort of re-envisioning where they take what came before they change it as much as it needs to be changed in order to make something amazing. And if you can do that, then great. And I think that JJ did that. So I guess that's what I'm trying to say. But yeah, thank you for the feedback, Mark. I I appreciate it. And uh, yeah, I mean, I totally see what you're saying. Um, But to me, it kind of doesn't matter. I guess that's that's my point. So people like what they like. Well, if you'd like to join the discussion, you can go to trek.fm slash contact. There's a form there. Choose send a show and choose standard orbit. That'll come to both of us by email. You can also use the tab on the left-hand column of any page to send us a voicemail. You can use your webcam's microphone. Or you can talk to us and our other listeners at our Facebook group, The Babel Conference. In social media, you'll find our Facebook page at facebook.com slash trek.fm and on Twitter under username trek.fm. Mike, where can people attack you directly? You can attack me directly on Twitter at Mumbles3K, or you can also uh, listen to to me so that you can then attack me later on on Twitter. On uh, other right subjects. Here, yeah, right here on Trek FM, doing commentary Trek Stars, or also on commentarytrackstars.com, where I do commentary Trek Stars off topic and commentary Trek Star Babies. And you can find me on Twitter at 005, where you can put nice things like you know i love your show that's that's d-o-u-b-l-e-o-f-i-v-e all right before we go we'd like to ask everyone to please support our sponsor who else brings standard orbit to you each week and our sponsor for the show is audible.com audible's a great way for you to read the books you've always wanted to read but never thought you'd have time for audible's the premier source for audiobooks with more than 150,000 titles to choose from and new titles coming every week from classics to current bestsellers and even some of the most famous Star Trek books like Prime Directive, Federation, and Spock's World, Audible has something for everyone. Mike, what do you have for everyone? I have Star Trek Envoy, written by L.A. Graff and narrated by George Takei. While on the Excelsior, Captain Sulu receives top priority orders to proceed by shuttlecraft to Starbase 3. He is to act as the Federation's envoy to a historic peace ceremony between the Krikiki and the Denkai, the two dominant warring races in that sector. The Federation has made it clear to Sulu that it is vital that this mission be successful. Sulu's role is to hand over a young Krikiki prince 
to the Denkai as a symbol of peace. But once Sulu learns of the physical hardships and isolated life that are to befall the prince, he is faced with one of the most difficult choices of his career. Carry out his orders and protect another being's life only to see it taken away? Or interfere and risk destroying the fragile peace and violate the prime directive in the process? And you can get this book for free since you listen to Trek FM. That's right. As a Trek FM listener, you can get a free audiobook of your choice along with a 30-day trial just to see how great Audible is. So give it a try today. Catch up on all those classic Star Trek books you've yet to read and that latest novel from your favorite author as well. Just go to audibletrial.com slash trekfm and sign up today. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash trekfm, and we thank Audible for supporting Standard Orbit and Trek FM. We'd also like to thank Richard Rutledge Jr. and Renee Roberts. It's a lot of R's. We need more people to support us on Patreon. Yeah, yeah. Not that we don't mind the alliteration. Yeah, yeah. We'd like maybe to think... maybe one of them can just change their names. There we and go. Make it easier for us. Uh, so currently their names are Richard Rutledge Jr. and Renee Roberts, and they're our associate producers this week because they support us on Patreon. Yeah, you can find Richard on Twitter at r u t eight nine seven two and Renee at mres underscore one seven zero one. Thanks, guys. We 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 really appreciate it. And lastly, if you want to help them keep us in orbit, you can also support us on Patreon. If you go to patreon.com slash trekfm, you'll find a list of donation levels where you can get things like exclusive digital goodies, early access to episodes, access to our project manager, and even be listed as an associate producer in our shows. You'll find out where the donations can go there, things like covering the monthly cost of hosting and distribution, hiring an editor for our shows, and upgrading our equipment. Again, that's patreon.com slash trekfm, so check it out. Next week, on Standard Orbit, the Gorn attack. You sounded a lot like Ernie Anderson there. Who's that? Paul Thomas Anderson's dad, but he's also the guy who did all those voiceover things in like the 70s and 80s. If oh, you cool. get the If you get the next generation Blu-ray sets. That's what guy, I was going for, actually. Yeah, yeah. That's Paul Thomas Anderson's dad. What? That's know, awesome. Right? It's crazy. Well, everybody, thanks for listening. Have a good week and keep on trekking. It is the will of Landrew. Mr. Chekhov, take us out of orbit. Ahead, walk factor one. Hi, sir.